0: Okay, here we are on another uh, episode of uh, A Pastor's Perspective. Thank you, those who listen. i um, glad just uh, to be back here with you again talking. Uh, this week, uh, what I want to talk about comes from a question from someone at church. They looked at me on Sunday morning and said, uh, I'm struggling. They said, I look at the news and I see the response to the election, uh, and I have a hard time not being mad. Uh, what do I do? How do you handle that? And which I think is a great question. I think it's an honest question, and I think it's a question that that if we were to all be honest, uh, you know, whether you're one of those who are mad about the election, whether one of those you're looking at the election, you're thinking. Okay, the election is done with. Why are you rioting? Why are you rioting in the streets? What does that do? What does that accomplish? And, and there's frustration. Um, I think I think what it comes down to, uh, and this is not just hey the Sunday school answer, but this is I think the the, the biblical response. Uh, and this is what I, I shared with her. Um, is through the grace of God, through the power of God in your life, through the working of the Holy Spirit, uh, we just have to love people. It's tough. It's not always uh, the easiest thing to do, but that's what God has called us to do. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Uh, he says in, in Mark chapter 12, verses 29-31, through 31, uh, he quotes uh, a passage from Deuteronomy, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. God has given us a commandment to love people. Um, now, a lot of times we think, well, I can love people. I just want to love the people that I want to love. Or I want to love the people that it's easy to love. Or I want to love the people who love me back. But that's not the, the love that, that Christ has commanded us. That's not the love that, uh, that Christ has shown us. You know, God loved us by sending His Son to die for us while we were still His enemies. God loved us when we didn't love Him back. God loved us... Uh, while Christ was hanging on the cross and people were spitting at Him and cursing Him, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God loves us when we are unlovable. And I believe that that's what God wants us to do for others. Now, I recognize that it's hard, that is it's difficult. Uh, it might take a lot of repentance to get to that place, but that's that's God's call on our life. As you look throughout Scripture, this idea of loving others is is all throughout. In Luke chapter 10, a man, a lawyer, comes up to Jesus and and asks, how do I inherit eternal life? And Jesus asks him, uh, what's written in the law? How do you read it? And he answers, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. And so the guy says, okay, uh, but who is my neighbor? And he did not ask that because he was genuinely concerned about who his neighbor was. He was trying to justify himself. He was trying to justify himself by saying, Okay, uh, I love my neighbor as in my friends. I love my neighbor as in my social group. I love my neighbor as in those who agree with me. I love my neighbor as in those who um, believe the same way I believe. So therefore, I'm loving my neighbor. Therefore, I'm glorifying God. Therefore, uh, I'm justified. And his idea was... Uh, you know, if I can get Jesus to say my neighbor or the people that I like, uh, then I'm good. And so he was trying to justify uh, really his selfish selfish actions of only loving uh, those who loved him in return, only loving those who were similar to him. This is where we get the story of the Good Samaritan, because then Jesus responds uh, about the man who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho uh, was... uh, intercepted by robbers, he was stripped, he was beat, Uh, he was left uh, for dead on the road. Then you have a priest, a Jewish priest coming down the road, and he sees him, he passes on the other side. So here's an Israelite, someone who you would think the answer would be neighbor. Uh, Here is a priest, one of the the Jewish elite, the Jewish preachers and pastors, uh, and sees this guy that you would assume is his neighbor because they're both Israelites, they're both Jewish, And he passes on the other side of the street because he doesn't, uh, well, maybe he's thinking uh, that the robbers might still be around. Maybe it's because he didn't want to uh, ritually sully himself. It doesn't tell us that. It just says that he passed by on the other side of the road. Uh, We don't know why. I don't know that that we have to know why. Because whatever his reasoning is, his action shows that he does not love this man, even though you would assume this is uh, neighborly, or they should be neighborly. Uh, then you have a Levite. A Levite is one who works in the, in the temple. A Levite was uh, a priest. A Levite was one of the religious elite, again, with the Jewish, with the Jews. And uh, he came by the place, saw him, he passed on the other side as well. And so the first two illustrations you have are people that you would assume would answer this guy's question. Oh, these are my neighbors. These are the priests and the Levites. These are the religious elite. These are the, 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 the church folk. Uh, these are the ones who are my neighbor, yet they're the ones who leave the wounded man on the side of the street. On the side of the road, and then in verse thirty-three, you have a Samaritan uh, coming along, uh, and he sees him, and he has compassion on him, and he bound him, picks him up, puts him on his uh, on his animal, uh, pours wine and oil on his wounds to heal him, and, and bandages him up, uh, takes him to an inn, and pays the innkeeper to take care of him, um, and then he says, as he comes back through, he'll repay him whatever else he needs to owe whatever else he owes. Uh, Now the big thing about this is that the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other, and more so, the Jews hated Samaritans. Uh, Samaritans, going back to when Israel was overtaken by the Babylonians, uh, the Samaritans were were some of the ones who were left. They were some of the the stragglers that the Babylonians didn't want to take into captivity. They weren't even good enough to be slaves, and they were left behind, and in order to preserve themselves and and to save themselves, basically, instead of living in a desolate city, they went and intermarried with some of the uh, neighboring uh, pagan people groups around them and and kind of created this new Samaritan. So Jews viewed them as as unfaithful. Jews viewed them as as half-breeds. In fact, Jews would, um, instead of walking through Samaria to get from uh, you know, a part of, of Israel that was below and, and, and a part that was above, uh, they would literally walk around the longest way, uh, not wanting to even step foot in the city. Uh, they despised, despised and despised and hated the Samaritans. Uh, and so here in the story, Jesus sets up the Samaritan as the hero. And he goes so far as in making the lawyer recognize this. Uh, He says, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. Couldn't even say the Samaritan. He said, the one who showed him mercy. Uh, So if we look at the idea of love God and love others, or love God and love your neighbor as yourself, uh, which is the greatest commandment according to Christ. It's it's what Jewish children have been taught their youngest ages from Deuteronomy, the Shema. Uh, our neighbor is not our countrymen. Our neighbor is not necessarily the person who lives next to us. Our neighbor is not necessarily uh, you know, just the people that we agree with or believe likewise. Our neighbor is everyone, even those that we would consider our enemies, even those that we would consider people who don't like us or we don't like them. Uh, our neighbor is, is every human being that we come in contact with. And so it's easy to say, uh, well, I'm going to love the people who love me, or I'm going to love the people who uh, agree with me or believe like me, but people who don't, well, I just don't love them. And let me tell you why this is so, one, radical, uh, and and two, it's something that, uh, though we would like to say is a worldwide goal, I believe is only really accomplishable, I don't even know if that's the word, accomplished through Christ. And I hate to, to, to pick on, on any one person, but it's just, it's low-hanging fruit, and so I'm going to do this. Look at uh, the liberals. Look at the people who are, who are um, those who are socially political, politically liberal. Those who are out protesting right now. Their whole ideology is uh, love everyone. That's why they uh, are big on um, abortion. Love the women. It's the women's uh, right to do what they want with their body. So love women. Let them do what's right with their body, even if that means aborting a baby. That's why they're big on uh, social services. And um, let's love those who are down and out. And let's love them enough just to give them stuff. Give them money. Give them free food. Give them free phones. Uh, just give them stuff because we love them so. And it's, it's let's make marriage equal for everyone because we want to love everyone. And so love everyone and pour out love. And so because there's this, their their whole ideology is um, let's just love everyone, which is a great ideology. I think they take it. In, in, in wrong directions, obviously, or obviously, I think that. Um, but then you see when the uh, conservative part of America elects Donald Trump as president, then all of a sudden everyone is a racist and everyone is a misogynist uh, and everyone is, is hateful. Uh, and this is white lash, and uh, let's go out and, and ride in the streets and destroy property because uh, because half the country does not agree with us. And so instead of responding with love to those who don't agree with them, they respond with, with hostility. And so as Christians, this is our chance to respond with the gospel. This is our chance to respond with love, this is our chance to respond uh, to those who disagree with us. Not just to those who disagree with us, but to those who despise us. Uh, if you're a Christian in America, and if you... Um, I'll just use this as an example because I read a story about it yesterday. If you say that homosexuality is a sin, not that you hate homosexuals, not that homosexuals should be beaten, not that homosexuals don't deserve uh, certain rights under the Constitution, you... Uh, you know, but you just say homosexuality in and of itself is a sin according to the Bible, then you're labeled, uh, that's labeled hate speech. And that can be labeled, uh, I saw where someone called the Southern Baptist Convention and James Dobson as hate groups, uh, simply because they say homosexuality is a sin. Um, and so we live in a world where where Christianity is at the beginning stages of being under fire. And they're, the people who are rioting are not people who who care much for Christians, as the majority. Uh, I don't want to just paint with too broad of a, a brush, but the majority, they don't. They, they don't uh, care much for Christians and Christian doctrine and uh, what the Bible says about things. And so this is our, our opportunity uh, to do what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 43-48. Let me just read this to you. You have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be the sons of the Father who is in heaven. So if we're going to be God's children, children reflect their their parents. Uh, we reflect God, our Father who is in heaven, uh, by loving those who persecute us, by praying for those who persecute us, by, by loving those who are our self-proclaimed enemies. For he makes his son to rise, for he makes his son rise on the evil And on the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And, and Luke records it this way in chapter six of, of Luke. Uh, but love your enemies and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Uh, be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Uh, humanity, in and of itself, uh, being a human being, does not make you a child of God. What makes you a child of God is uh, having repented of your sins and confessed Christ as Lord and Savior. As children of God, we are to reflect the image and the character of God, showing ourselves to be the sons and daughters of God. And we do that by loving people. Well, we do that by loving people in a biblical way while still standing on truth, but we do it by loving people. Loving people who are different than us, loving people who believe differently than us, loving people who are... Uh, Picketing and rioting in the streets because um, because someone who views things uh, and look I don't even care what you think about Trump. Uh, This sitting a a Trump podcast, Uh, but you have people rioting in the streets uh, because their person wasn't elected. Uh, and who would call Christians uh, hateful and bigots and um, homophobes and and so our natural response to that is to bow up it's, it's to to get riled up and and justify ourselves kind of like the lawyer was doing with Jesus when he asked the question talking about the good Samaritan We want to justify why we feel the way we do. We want to justify ourselves to other people and get in arguments and get frustrated and get angry and get upset and get fired up. And when we do that, we have the same response of people who say, riot, our hate is the only thing that we have. Our anger is the only thing that we have. As Christians, we're not to be known for our anger. We're to be known for our love. And we're to love those who despise us, love those who hate us, Love those who persecute us. Love those who ride in the streets. Love those that we think are foolish. Love those that we think are childish. We're to love people. Because that shows us to be the sons and daughters of God. Now, once again, I understand. It's easy just to say love people. How do we actually do that? No, I'm not in... Oregon or California or any of these places where people are are rioting. So I I cannot directly do anything for them. I can't take them water. I can't bring them a Chick-fil-A sandwich. I can't uh, serve them in any uh, way. But what I can do is when I begin to think about them or I see news stories about them, I can pray for them. I can pray that God would do good in their life. I can pray that God would remove their anger and their hate I can pray that ultimately that God would place people in their lives to show them the love of Christ in a very real uh, biblical way and that they might uh, accept Christ as Lord and Savior. I can pray for people. I can pray that God would work. I can be careful about the things that I put on social media. You know, it's easy to see videos of people doing things and you just want to respond one way. Sometimes it's best just not to respond. Turn your phone off. Turn your computer off. Shut Facebook off. Shut Twitter down. You know, we love people. We can pray for them if we can't practically serve them. And part of loving people is we have to recognize that we can't love people the way God wants us to without God. We just can't. We can't love our neighbors. We can't love our enemies. We can't Love those who persecute us, apart from the strength of God in our life. And so part of, of recognizing or, or trying to love people that are hard to love, I believe, is going to God and saying, God, this is tough. God, it's hard to love this person. It's hard to love this group of people. It's hard to love our president. It's hard to love the rioters. It's hard to love whoever you're having a difficult time loving. and asking God for strength, and asking God for encouragement, and asking God for endurance. Because God will help you love people, and God will change your heart. If we go to Him, if we seek His help, if we seek His guidance, if we seek His direction, if we recognize that we cannot do it on our own, and we can't do it on our own. We are weak people. But our weakness points us to the one who is strong, and that is Jesus. So, how do we respond to those who we believe are acting in a foolish way? We love them. And you know what? That that counts for even if you're a Christian and you think people who voted for Trump are idiots. Guess what? The commandment is still the same. Love them. Don't ride in the streets. Don't go and picket, but love people. And if you can love people in a very real way, if you can love the people who are picketing or riding by handing them water and telling them Jesus loves them and that you love them, do it. If you can't and all you can do is pray, then pray. Pray that God changes your heart. Pray that God works in their life. Pray. But regardless of the scenario, we cannot do it without the strength of God in our life. And to have that, we have to be willing to be humble and honest before God, confess that we're weak, confess that we don't want to love or that we don't love, and confess that we do want to love, though, that we do want to show the love of Christ in a very real way, in a very God-honoring way. And pray that God strengthens us and pray that God helps us and pray that God uh, motivates us and pray that God changes our hearts. Uh, hopefully this has been uh, beneficial and encouraging. Um, if you uh, have any questions or comments, uh, you can leave them on the, on the SoundCloud page. You can leave a review on iTunes. Uh, you can uh, email me at cam.stevens at lifepoint syntobia.com, calm.stevens at uh, Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you later.